Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 166 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Katie Argel. Katie lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and she is a high school teacher and varsity basketball coach. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you here. We set this up, gosh, almost a year ago, it feels like. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm glad we've, it's finally the day to, to talk. I hope that there's an important story in here somewhere to share. So I'm looking forward to it. There (laughs) always is. Everybody's story is important and it lets us know we all have so much in common and we have have places where we're different and that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. So I just really appreciate you taking the time to 
like you said, hear all these different stories. And I think what keeps me coming back week to week listening to your podcast is just hoping like what piece of this person's life might I be able to relate to and might be able to borrow from. So I'm excited to be here. Well, good. So, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? So the very short response to that is my boss actually introduced it to me in 2019. The Every single one of us has a longer story with kind of weight and how we got there. But I like telling people, it was even my boss that just was screaming from the rooftops that she had found this way of eating where she could eat Cheetos and still lose weight. And so uh, a few of us really listened and said, do say more about that. (laughs) So it was your principal? Yeah, our principal, she she showed up after summer and just looked completely transformed. And we very awkwardly didn't want to say like, you look different. (laughs) But she just looked happier and fresher and lighter and was bouncing around the hallways. And we were like, what, you know, what's different? And she was very happy to tell anyone that she was intermittent fasting and had read your book. So, I mean, my personal history, if that's okay. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. I am uh, six foot one. (laughs) I'm a basketball player. I played all the way through college. And as you said, continue to coach now. But being six one, I was always kind of bigger (laughs) as a kid. And that was in shoes and in height and everything you can imagine. And so, you know, I just, I don't remember thinking, thinking back preparing for this conversation. I was trying to think back to food memories or any memories I had growing up. And, you know, people in my family have battled weight. Um, That's true of my in-laws. You know, it's a conversation that we have a lot now, but as a kid, you know, we never really talked about it. My sister is younger than I am. And I think growing up, I was responsible. I was older. (laughs) It was a lot of, all right, get your sister out the door and, you know, feed her when we get home. And so it was a lot of processed food, a lot of stuff that we used to make together. I remember being at grandparents' house and being told, you can eat as much as you want, but if you put it on your plate, you have to finish it. There wasn't a whole lot of listening to your body. And uh, uh, I got in trouble once for hiding food under my seat cushion because of that rule. (laughs) Oh my uh, gosh. Do you know my worst food story with with, what I did with food one time? I was at someone's house and they were making me eat a vegetable. This is when I was a kid. I didn't eat vegetables. And they're like, you must eat this something, some vegetable. I'm like, all right, I'll eat a carrot. Give me a carrot. So they gave me a carrot. I don't know. I think it was some raw carrot. I was supposed to eat it. But instead, I went to the bathroom and I was like, okay, I'm in the bathroom. I'm like, am I going to flush this down the toilet? But what if it clogs up the plumbing? I'm like, I'll just throw it out the window. So I threw it out the window. And then later that, it was behind the bushes. Later that afternoon, the dad of the house was out weeding the flower bushes. And he's like, what's this? I'm like, oh my God. I mean, that still haunts me to this day. But I know hiding the food because I was like, I did not want to eat that. So no, what do we and- do to our kids? It made me hate carrots, first of all. And <laughs> Absolutely. And that's a conversation. Now, I have two kids. Uh, we have two boys who are two and five. And we try so hard not to pass on any kind of like food phobias. And for my husband, it was onions. Like his mom wouldn't let him leave the dinner table till they had their liver and onions. And he will not touch an onion to this oh day. Oh, my God. So. I'd still be sitting there now. I mean, I love onions, but I'm not eating liver. Sorry. I won't do it either. Same thing. (laughs) So anyway, just being tall and muscular, you know, I was, I think like a lot of women, we tend to like pile on some weight and then grow six inches and then pile on some more and then grow a little bit more. So as a kid, I was growing, I was getting a whole lot taller. You know, I was adding muscle being an athlete and it was hard. I mean, you you're a teacher. I'm a teacher. Kids can be mean. So, you know, the year I had a green fleece, I was the jelly green giant. (laughs) And uh, I was just always taller and bigger. When I got my first job in high school, I was a waitress. And one of the guys I worked with, he said, you know, know, you're very intimidating. 
I was like, I hate that word, but why? And he's like, well, you're a large woman and I was not overweight, but you know, being six feet tall, you do tend to tower over a lot of people. So I say all that to say it was just, you know, kind of always in the back of my mind. I saw my mom working out from time to time, but she kind of did it away from us. We weren't a super active family together. It was just something I kind of did on my own. And so we never really had conversations about what we should eat or how much we should eat. It was finish your plate or eat quickly or whatever it might be at that that point in time. So my first exposure to dieting was really in high school. One of my good friends, uh, she and her mom were doing Weight Watchers. And I thankfully did not jump on the bandwagon at that time, uh, playing basketball and doing marching band honestly kept me active enough where I wasn't really gaining excess weight at that point in time. Um, and I continued through uh, college, you know, playing in college. And uh, I was active enough to kind of outrun <laughs> or outwork whatever I was eating. And then my senior year of college playing basketball, I actually injured my back pretty badly. I uh, herniated a disc in my low back and hurt kind of the adjacent disc around it and had to have back surgery at 22, which was not expected. So I say all that to say that like my activity level had to drastically change at that point. Um, I had doctors that said, you can't run, you can't do anything with impact. You need to keep your back healthy for the next 60 years. You know, you've got to not do anything stupid. And I said, well, what, what's that look like? And they said, well, you can do water aerobics. You can, <laughs> you can do oh my gosh. things like that. And here I was like 22. <laughs> for a 22 year old to be told, join the water aerobics. I mean, I am at the age where probably water aerobics is what I should be doing. <laughs> I don't think I would enjoy going to the water aerobics, but in no 20, shame. no shame. No, <laughs> no. We, I mean, we did it as part of our basketball training to supplement and have low impact, but he right. really meant like yoga and like weights in the water. And it just wasn't so I decided, you know, being quite rebellious, I said, okay, I'll just go and sign up for a half marathon. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> or that <laughs> and- <laughs> water aerobics half marathon. I'm sure that's what he meant, right? Oh my gosh. I'm not a rebellious person, but something about being told like you can't be active just really stuck with me. But I was also managing no longer being a collegiate athlete and having to change how I ate <laughs> and figure out how to be athletic outside of just like two hours of practice a day. And that has been work since then. I mean, I'm still not perfect at it. But with that injury, you know, weight gradually started to come back. So I tried to outrun it with the marathon training and, you know, that worked. But then I had to switch to Weight Watchers and, you know, it works until it doesn't. Right. And so I found that I kept trying to increase my activity level, but eat less and less and less and less. And it just (laughs) that you were you were trying to eat less, move more. And when that didn't work, you were going to eat even less and move even more. Which is just not sustainable and not a happy life. You know, I I think back to this time right after I was out of college and I was teaching at a boarding school and there was a group of us that said, all right, we're just going to do the magical like 1200 calorie diet. And I would get so fatigued from that little food with as active as I was. We called them, this is awful. We called them calorie naps because we were like, (laughs) we're not eating enough. We need to go just rest and like sleep it off and I'll feel better. And I mean, it was just, just horrific. So, you know, I've tried all these different things. I tried, like you said, eating less, moving more. I tried Weight Watchers. I tried low carb with my husband, um, which worked wonderfully for him, but I just did not feel great doing that. That's the story of me. You know that. (laughs) Did you feel like, like kind of inflamed and puffy and yucky? I felt incredibly puffy, like almost like my skin was tight from the amount of water I was like retaining while I was eating this way. 
And since then, we can touch on it later, I'm sure. I ended up doing the Zoe test and found out that it wasn't necessarily about fat clearance, but my gut was really not happy with a lot of that food. So it makes sense now, years later, but it just wasn't sustainable. So at some point in there, you know, we had our two children and 2015 is when I got pregnant with our first child and being tall, I can like gain weight pretty well and hide it pretty well, but had gained, I think over 50 pounds in that pregnancy. To be fair, the baby was 10 pounds, pounds, but (laughs) that's a big old, big old boy. It was, he was, I had two almost 10 pound babies. They were, they were pretty big. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. But yeah, um, had the first baby and then um, ended up training for a race again and, you know, had lost, you know, 40 of the 50 pounds gains kind of by the next year, you know, had gotten into some high intensity training and was losing weight, but I kind of hit a plateau and I hit a plateau probably around maybe 15, 20 pounds heavier than I really wanted to be and nothing was working. And so at that point we got pregnant with our second child and he was a high risk pregnancy. And so I really wasn't supposed to do a whole lot of activity um, movement with that, but managed to only gain about 40 pounds that pregnancy instead of 50. And then it was right after that I started intermittent fasting. Okay. So that you were, you had just, you had just had that second baby and your boss said, look what I'm doing. And then you started. Yeah. So he was born at the end of May and I really wanted to, you know, take the summer and I was taking a little bit of maternity leave at the start of school, which is really hard, you know, as a teacher, but I try to use that time to heal and to, you know, get my life back on track personally. And, uh, she introduced intermittent fasting. And at the time she had never said the words like delay, don't deny. She just said, check out, you know, fasting. And so the research I had done, 
of course, takes you a lot of different paths. And it started with, you know, hey, women shouldn't fast more than 14 hours. <laughs> and so, which I laugh at now because I'm like, some people sleep almost that long, but okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, I know. Anyway, that that's actually where I started. So, you know, when, when people are trying it, I, I started it at around 14 hours, which I found incredibly easy, but no one ever in this research of like 14 hours is great said anything about how long you should eat. So for the first like four to six weeks I was doing this, I was gradually extending my fasting window, but I was just kind of eating until I was done. So I ended up having these like eight to 10 hour windows, which wasn't going to help me <laughs> lose anything. And so once I started talking with a friend who had also talked to the principal, she just said, oh no, you need to read Delay, Don't Deny. And I'm like, why did no one tell me there's a magic book out there? I'll go get it right now. <laughs> and I think I read it that day, like got the ebook and read it that day. And it was something about the combination of, yes, you want to fast, but you've also got to kind of limit yourself on how much you're, like the time you're eating. It just finally clicked. And so we were getting ready to start basketball season. We were both coming back from maternity leave and we just said, let's start it together. And so that's what we did is we pretty immediately started on with like 16, eight, and I pretty rapidly moved to like 24 during that first couple of weeks. And, um, it, ju- it just started working. <laughs> that's wonderful. I, I love hearing how people come to the book and come to the, come to intermittent fasting in general. But I want to circle back to what you said about women shouldn't fast. You know, we still hear that now. I mean, there's some new hormone book out. I haven't read it. And, but it's like talking about women shouldn't fast. And even some of the f- proponents of fasting, especially the men <laughs> will throw out that women shouldn't fast. And I, I think that it's so What's confusing is women do have bodies that are hormonally more fragile than men. That is a fact. But what is what is detrimental for women is over restriction. So let's you know contrast what you're doing now to what you did when you needed calorie naps on your 1200 calorie crazy, you know, which one was more restrictive for your body? That 1200 calorie eating all day where you felt so terrible or what you're doing now? Oh, you know the answer. Anyone I do who's know, read the, it knows answer. the answer. But that's what <laughs> makes me really kind of angry about people who say women shouldn't fast because they couch it in, well, fasting is over restriction and you're going to do it in a dangerous way, women. No, we have done those dangerous things. I was taking hormone shots from a doctor and eating 500 calories a day that a doctor had me doing. Tell me that that is okay, but fasting is dangerous. I mean, come on now. Anyway, that's my soapbox about that. (laughs) No, I mean, I think in general, we tend to be doubtful of women being able to do what's right for their own bodies. (laughs) But that was the research was it had all to do with hormones. And there was not, I mean, you could easily say, well, there's hormones in the food we eat and there's hormones based upon where you are pre or post menopause or whatever it might be. But, you know, the literature did, did tend to say, you know, this is about like women cannot handle this. And as my response with the back surgery, like, oh, I can still run. I can still go do these things. You know, I just had to decide it was worth trying, like worth trying something different. And I think, you know, it is about adjustment. I think there's part of my story with finding my perfect quote unquote fasting window um, where I did do too much and over restrict. And I think that, you know, goes along with, you know, just listen to your body and your hormones and things that they should have said in the first place, which is, hey, fast, but also listen to your body and find out what is too restrictive for you. Well, I mean, that's, I, I named my second book, Fast, Feast, Repeat, not Fast, then go on a diet during your window and then repeat, right? You know, we're, we're <laughs> we, the, the nourishing our body part is super important. You know, I know a lot more now than I did when I wrote Delayed on Deny in 2016, but 
the eating well to satiety and listening to your body is key. If you over-restrict, even with fasting, your body will let you know. So when you did you have a period where you were, were over-restricting with fasting? I did. And actually, you started this by saying, hey, we you know, first connected like fall of 2020. It's been a while since, you know, and, and a lot has happened since then. So um, around that time, I had previously toyed with um, a little bit of ADF or at least once or twice a week doing like a longer fast. And this came from, you know, being in the advanced group on Facebook and a few different places where people said like, look, just try it. Like try it one day, try it a few times. And I found so much power in being able to say like, hey, look, I can't do this. But the times when I really did, if I had any kind of activity level in my day, um, as a teacher, I walk around constantly with my little kids. They're keeping me really active. And then any kind of additional workout. I mean, our campus is massive. It's basically like a small little college anyway. And so just, I was not doing enough for my body with my activity level and my body was really quick to let me know when that didn't work out. So I love, I love that your body let you know that. Did you feel, were you having like, like how did, what, what did your body tell you? Yeah. So there, there were days, I'll, I'll be really honest. There were days where it was totally fine. As long as I had the great refeed afterwards, it was wonderful. It was anytime I tried to do, you know, true ADF, anytime I tried to alternate, anytime that fast went beyond like 38 hours, it was a struggle. So actually right at the start of the pandemic, my son um, had what we thought was appendicitis and I had to take him to the ER and I don't know what four-year-old gets a kidney stone, but oh my lord! <laughs> and so it ended up being that instead. But it was one of those things where I was in a fast, and then once I took him to the hospital, I just didn't have to worry about feeding myself. But I don't think I got to eat the next day until we got home, which was around 41, 42 hours fasted. And I it took me a good week to recover and feel really well after that between my stomach and my energy. And it was just, given the circumstances, probably didn't you know, refeed or sleep or do as much that I needed, but I do not sleep well when I do the the longer fast. And yeah, it just really does take me several days to feel energetic, to feel, you know, to not have a headache, to have a normal GI response when I eat. Um, and that to me just told me my body wasn't quite ready for that, or I wasn't getting the proper fuel that I needed after the fact. And you're you're still really active. So I imagine being a, a basketball coach, you do a lot of running around with your team, right? Or do you? I don't know. Absolutely. Um, I thought and you I mean, would. But I was like, <laughs> maybe, maybe you just stand there. But I could imagine you running, running, running. And yeah. I mean, you're active and, and you've, you've raised boys. I mean, you know how active they are yes. as well. And so there was a point where I'm skipping around in my journey, apologies, but my husband really wanted to do like a, a body composition analysis. So we went had a DEXA scan done and did the metabolic test. And this was right after I was really kind of pushing my windows, really thinking more fasting is good, even though I've read your books and know that's not always the case. I was thinking, man, I feel really good in the fast. So this has got to be a way to help me, you know, lose some of this weight. And at that point, my metabolism was already like 12% under what it was expected to be. And I, you know, sat down with someone and said, what's going on? I'm eating. I was eating to satiety, but I was still only eating like one meal, maybe a snack and a meal every day. And, you know, I had my data. Uh, I had my fasting windows. I had, you know, a little bit of what I was eating. Um, I'm like you, I don't love to track <laughs> every single thing now that I'm fasting. But I was able to show them and they're like, girl, you're not, you're not eating enough for your activity level. So even if it's coaching and running around all day and getting the kids ready and walking up a hundred flights of stairs. Like they just said, like even a base level without adding in a workout, like you got to eat more. And I think that's one of the reason that I was compelled to reach out to you and say, maybe there's a story worth hearing is because, you know, I just really, 
listen to these podcasts and read the post online and say, man, it seems so easy for everyone. And I have still, you know, at this point, a year and a half into doing this, I'm still trying to tweak it until it's super easy. And it's because of this moving target of, you know, where are we in the pandemic? Where are my kids? Where am I in the basketball season? It feels like it changes all the time. And I've just had to accept that that's okay. You know, my fasting is going to look different all the time. Yeah. And, you know, the the stress of the pandemic has been real for everybody. The, and teachers, I don't know how y'all have done it. You know, I've thought about <laughs> teachers the whole way through and in, in two ways, like, oh, thank God I retired before the pandemic. Sorry. <laughs> but um, that y'all are just amazing heroes because my friends that are teachers, you know, seeing what they're still doing and the, the cheer and the positivity and the way that no matter what you're asked to do, you just do it. That's what teachers do. You know, yeah, you could teach that's kind it. of you to say. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just know it. There, there's nothing that teachers won't do, and and you're going to make it work no matter what. And that that's just what I know about, about teaching. But I love that you you've realized you as an active person, and you are tall, six one. Someone who's six one is going to need more fuel than someone I'm five five, and so it just really. You, you have to fuel your body in a different way. So what what size window is feeling good for you right now? I've kind of settled into like a three to four hour window, which seems small. I am trying to do better with timing my meals with my workouts. I definitely went kind of this past spring, the stress of the school year. We've been in school since August, kind of hybrid teaching and in person. And it, it's been very stressful. And I, I said, all right, look, I've got some repair to my metabolism to do. Let's eat a lot. Let's, you know, let's uh, refeed and see what we can do. And, you know, my windows were much longer and as expected, like they said, okay, you've got to repair your metabolism. You're going to gain some weight. And so from that time I had the scan done and, and decided, you know, I've probably been over restricting, overdoing it. Um, I let myself have these nice long, like 16 to eight <laughs> windows and fast and as expected, put on some weight. And then I've gradually been able to kind of shorten that back down to where I'm eating more food in that period. So what it typically looks like for me is kind of a early afternoon to early evening window. Um, I find if I leave it open too late, I'm more susceptible to like, mm, maybe I will have a glass of wine or, or, you know, maybe I will have some dessert. And if I, you know, focus on maybe make it through the school day, you know, get my kids home, whatever it is, we can, you know, have a snack, cook dinner, eat, let, let it be a little more, I don't know, compacted, but I'm able to eat a little bit more food. And then there are days when I wake up and I'm like, man, I am really hungry. Maybe I'm going to do breakfast and lunch today, or maybe it's going to be lunch and dinner. And so I found it tends to be, I won't even say three to four, maybe, maybe even like three to six. And it might be one day I have one meal and then the next day I'm going to need two. And then after two, I feel really good and I can go back to one. So that's been more of the flow that I've gotten into is one day is kind of a, a one big meal and snack. And then the next day, maybe I do need two instead. I think that's a really great way to do it because, you know, we know with homeostasis, your body will adapt. Even with fasting, anything that's too similar day to day, your body can just be like, all right, we're just going to stay right here. And it just adjusts to what you're doing, which is why I really think that's like not the full on up and down but like a little down and a little more up, you know, that that's what I just naturally do because some days I'm just hungrier and I just eat more. And then some days I'm like, whoa, I sure did eat past appetite correction. But as long as we don't do that every day, I'm like, well, that was boosting my metabolism today. <laughs> <laughs> it really is all about reframing it and so right. it's exactly what you said. And it was one of your podcasts, I, and forgive me for not writing it down and knowing which one, of kind of falling into the less restrictive, like alternate day. I've got a eat one day and not the next is I just said, I'm going to 
eat until I'm full. And then when I realize the next day it wasn't enough, I can, you know, I can boost it the next day. And by kind of having that looser up, down, up day, down day, not 500 calories and then a full up day, just just looser has made it much more sustainable and less stressful. I think I naturally do that. Like I, I really think I naturally loosely up down, but not like a 500 calorie. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably more like, <laughs> like my down day might be, I don't know, 1500. <laughs> I eat yeah. a lot of food, <laughs> but then the next day I'll need more. I think that's also what is good to hear from time to time is like for you to say a down day might be 1500. I think a lot of times, you know, I, I like to follow the rules and I like to say, well, no, this says a down day has got to be under 500. And when I'm six one and I'm really muscular and like my base caloric needs are like 2,800 calories right. a down day really can't be 500 calories. And I really did have to learn that the hard way. Of, well, of, and I when I say down this- for me, I'm not tr- doing down days, like trying to do a down day. I'm just saying in my natural flow of a day that is more down is probably around that. Right. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify, just so people didn't think I was doing, you know, official down days, up days. I just naturally fall into that pattern of eating less one day. But the days where I eat less is probably, I wouldn't, I mean, I couldn't even imagine. I just, I eat a lot. You add enough butter and stuff. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't count calories, but if I did, I'd probably be surprised at how many it is <laughs> just from, from condiments and butter. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so you're feeling better now and it's feeling more like a natural flow. It is. So I basically with my timeline, I started fasting officially in the fall of 2019. And when I say, you know, it just fell off, it really like, I can look in my happy scale and see where it started in on that day in October. And it really was consistently like two to four pounds a week. Wow. First, I mean, it, it clicked, it felt really good. I will, I mean, clearly I did end up eventually damaging my metabolism a little bit. So I know that there were days I was eating less than I should, but also being incredibly active at work, it was really easy to be like, Oh, I I didn't eat lunch today or, Oh, I ate lunch. Now it's too late to eat dinner. So it is what it is. And so in hindsight, I probably would have tweaked that a little bit more. But, um, during that time period, uh, my, our youngest was, you know, only a few months old and, you know, I wasn't breastfeeding anymore when, when we started, but I ended up having a pretty severe case of postpartum depression and had to get on some meds and to each their own. It was absolutely the right thing to do for me, but I did find kind of, once I started my weight loss, just plateaued. And, you know, I saw my doctor and she knew what I was doing and was supportive, but I think fasting probably kept me from gaining with the medication. She said, you know, a lot of people tended to gain. So I was thankful that it, you know, it did not increase. It just stayed where where it was, but I really did hit just like a bottom line that I could not go below. And I think in my frustration of this was so successful, (laughs) like, why did this stop? You know, I was looking for every tweak that I could. So I was fasting more. I was trying to fight that plateau that was most likely caused by the medication. And then in fall of 2020, my whole family, you know, we, we are at school, we're working with children all day long, we're in masks, we're taking care of ourselves, but being around people in a pandemic, we actually ended up getting COVID. And so we were thankful that none of us really had super severe cases. Um, my husband and our oldest son, totally symptom free, totally happy, enjoyed a vacation at home. Myself, it took about Six months for my taste and smell to come back. Oh no, that sounds that's Wait. gotta be the worst. That's <laughs> which was I can't miserable. Even imagine. <laughs> like that's that's like, oh my gosh. It sounds so awful. Yeah, but I think that also, you know, we've we've talked to people who have been, 
you know, who did get sick or maybe had cases similar to us. And I think having the the missing taste and smell, one made eating very challenging. I went through a period where everything tasted like cumin, <laughs> which was awful. Like no matter what I ate, it was it was really strange. But there have been some people that that did get sick that have also had trouble with weight regain as well. And so once we got sick, you can almost see like the date we got sick on my happy scale. And then it just started trending upward. Right. And so in the back of my mind, I think, well, the symptoms from the COVID, the taste and smell, everything, clearly my body was fighting something. And so the only gift I could give it was, well, let's just fast and hope that it will help me (laughs) fight this off and be healthier. So we've had, you know, a challenging year or two, but, but I do really believe fasting has helped mitigate some of the the worst damage that could have been. You know, there's a uh, lot of inflammation going on when you're fighting, fighting COVID. And I can only imagine. So when you have no taste and smell, do you, do you find that you just want to eat more because you're not getting that taste that you're looking for? Like I'm trying, like I'm trying to decide, (laughs) would you eat more? Would you eat less? That's a great question. For me, when I first couldn't taste anything, I'm like, why am I going to eat anything? This tastes like nothing. But then as it continued and I really said, you know, okay, well, nothing's really going to taste good. I just need to eat so I don't get a headache or I feel full. And it did kind of turn into like, oh, well, let's just eat. So my body's really happy. You know, obviously it needs fuel. So let's go ahead and do this. So it was a little bit of both. Um, The first thing to come back was anything that was really spicy or anything that was really sweet, which was really unfortunate because then once you got a taste of something sweet, you're like, oh, let me eat all of this so I can finally taste something. But it was a challenge within itself. But I'm hoping between you know, all these things now migrating away, you know, the, um, the fasting has been there and the scale is slowly trending back down. I think I just had to realize that, you know, my body had other things that it needed to work on. And it was really selfish of me to say, no, you need to be losing weight instead. So it's taken some time, but. I'm glad, I'm glad you've recovered well. So as of right this moment, how far down are you from your highest that, that when you started in 2019? Yeah. So from my highest in 2019 to kind of right around the time we got COVID, I was down about 45 pounds, which was, I was incredibly happy. I would have been happy to stay kind of right there. Vanity um, really wanted me to lose another (laughs) five to 10 pounds. And kind of once you go away from that, you're like, I'd give anything to be back where I was. (laughs) So, you know, since COVID hit, we've all kind of gained like another 10 pounds. So I'm only about 35 down from where I started, but it's trending back down to where I was and I'm hoping it'll continue to go. Good. I'm I'm glad that it's trending back down. So you mentioned that you tried Zoe. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who doesn't know what that is, if you haven't been listening, (laughs) if you go to jenstevens.com slash Zoe, you can read about it there. So when did, when did you do it? Uh, so we actually just did it um, the beginning of 2021, had signed up and got on the wait list. And then finally, I don't think they have a wait list anymore. But I know they, they've cleared it out. I just got the word. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. But yeah, I was able to get it for my husband and I. And I was incredibly excited to do it because I thought, okay, even though this is going to cost something, you know, if I can agree to kind of actually do what they say, actually follow the recommendations, then, you know, it's going to be a lifetime investment. And so, you know, it was really telling to me how different, you know, my recommendations might be from someone else. I know you and um, others keep uh, consistently talking about personalized nutrition. And that's really what it felt like is um, I learned that my body clears fat pretty well. I think similar to you. I'm jealous. 
I've got the threshold of like, if I eat too much fat, it's like, okay, cool your jets. Like you need to wait a while before you have any more. But you know, I was scrolling through and like my favorite dessert on my birthday is always creme brulee and it scored like a zero out of 100, of course. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, so that's a once a year kind of thing. Right. But it was, I will tell you, I got the recommendations and almost immediately, it was like the next day, I'm going to start eating this way. And I did a week of really strict following the app, trying to get the highest score that I possibly could. And oh my gosh, I've never felt <laughs> so good. I think that first week I dropped six pounds on the scale. See, it was... when I was, yep, when I <laughs> ate like 100% like they said, I felt like amazing ketosis and I was so satisfied and my my um, shape of scale went to blue. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not that I needed to be going to blue, but you know what I'm saying? My body loved it. It is just a lot of work. And that is my... I think I heard you say in a podcast, like I can never unlearn what they told me, which is very frustrating sometimes because I'll be cooking and I'll be like, I know I should put this in. Let me, let me add this. Or it's great. I wish they could do a little bit more with recipes or suggestions, but I I think they're working on that. That that would be awesome because you know, their limited window. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a pretty good chef. I can go, you know, mix these ingredients together, but I'm like, there are only so many things I can throw like black beans and artichokes and tomatoes into before I'm like, no more. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, my best news was avocados scored 100 for me. Oh, that's exciting. Really excited about. But yeah, I think my husband saw his recommendations. He's like, yeah, but all my favorite foods are down on this list. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go eat what those are. So yeah, that, that was really, um, really helpful to just steer me back to like, you know, you feel better when you eat this way. I think people who've talked about like elimination diets to me fasting has kind of been an elimination diet because you can only eat so much in your time period within your window and so there have been some things like i used to love diet coke like drink it all the time and then once i started fasting i said all right let's go to sparkling water which i hated with a passion and now i don't think my husband knew we could buy so much sparkling water because i just love having it around i've always been a black coffee drinker so i i didn't mind but now i buy a nicer black coffee to drink but it was like once I switched and then, you know, if you're, if anyone out there is doubtful that you cannot quit Diet Coke, like take a little bit of time away and then you come back to it and you're like, oh, why did I ever <laughs> drink this? And so, you know, just little things like that with fasting where I've been able to narrow, you know, what I was eating or if it doesn't agree with my body, I know it so much more immediately just because, you know, when you're not eating as frequently or as much, it's just easier to identify those things. Absolutely. It really is a a great elimination diet because you're eliminating it, whatever it is, 18 to 20 hours a day or whatever your Mm -hmm. fast is. So you're a lot more likely to make that connection between, oh, when I do this, this is what happens. I mean, that's how I identified my restless legs that I had been plagued with for for so many years of fasting helped me to say, oh, it's when I have, you know, this kind of thing that I have this trouble. And it, it really helped a lot. And, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. So do you find that you, and I know that you just went through Zoe, but even before Zoe, did you find that you were naturally gravitating towards different foods? Yes. I think just the idea of craving nutrition, like craving nutrients, you know, really stuck out to me because if I'm eating for a smaller amount of time and I don't eat really good food, then I don't feel like I've eaten. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like I have any energy. And the next day I'm like, oh man, like I know I was craving pizza. And I said, you know what? You want it, just eat it. But now I have like no energy for my workout or no, or the fast is so much harder the next day because I didn't eat the way I'm supposed to eat. So every time I do, I'm really happy that I've eaten like I'm supposed to. And then the, the occasional time I'll say, you know what? I'm just gonna 
not splurge, but just eat something that is maybe a lower score or something I don't eat as often. Um, it does steer me back towards those foods just because I know I'm not going to feel <laughs> it's like a food hangover the next day. Well, you're right. But feeling good becomes the goal. And that that's what, what the, the big epiphany is when we realize we want to eat in a way that makes us feel good more than because we're following some diet rule. You feel like you're empowered to do it and and you know why you're doing it. Well, and I think like many, I still struggle with that diet mindset. You know, I've read your your diet brain chapter many, many times, but it's something that I think as women, we see everywhere. I think when I start down the rabbit hole of comparison within the social media groups, it almost crushes the progress I have made and how good I'm feeling because it feels like someone else has done more, you should be doing more. And what I come back to is like, as a kid, being really tall, I was really self-conscious of my big feet. <laughs> and my mom used to always say like, a big tree needs like big roots to help you stand upright. And she's like, you would look so goofy if you had this little small foot. And so I try to keep that in mind. Like I can't cram my foot into a smaller shoe. It just kind of is what it is. And so, you know, for me, what my ultimate weight goal is, some people might look at that and say like, oh, that's way too high. Or, you know, that's not an admirable goal at all. But really for me, the, the line became when I started over restricting to the point where I did not feel well in my day to day life, or I did not have the energy I wanted to play with my kids or to be in a really good mood for the players on my team. I mean, there have been times when in my classroom or in my home or on the court, you know, someone will say like, have you had your coffee yet? Or do you maybe need a snack? <laughs> or, you know, whatever it might be. And I just, I never want to be that person that just doesn't feel good. And you know, there have been times when any kind of restriction made me not feel good. And there have been times where like now, if I'm just not eating the right things or not eating enough, like I know that that's going to be my line where I just do not feel well. And that's not where I want to go anymore. Yeah, we want to feel good more than anything else. And, you know, mm-hmm. the the story you're with your mom and the shoe, I mean, you can't, do, you can't change your body frame, your foot size, the width of your shoulders, you have your six one, you've got a large frame. And you're never going to be tiny petite. Just I remember one time with Chad, it was a long time ago. I wanted to wear some outfit or whatever. And I was like, what do you think about this? And he's like, I mean, this is I'm probably I'm probably almost 30 years ago. This conversation happened. And he's like, No, you will never be lanky. That's not your your size. You I've got short legs. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> we think we're gonna look like somebody else, and we just we can't. We have to look like who we are. And instead of comparing ourselves to other people, we have to compare ourselves to our own self. (laughs) Which is hard. I mean, it is. We, when the one time in my adult life I had gotten down to like the normal BMI for my height because I'm muscular, like I did not like how I looked. I did not like how I felt. I did not like my energy. There was so much to it that just wasn't great that um, it's only now in hindsight of like, gee, I wish I could be closer to that number again. Did I realize that like, ultimately it's just a choice. Like I didn't want to try to force myself into a different shape, like you said. And even now, you know, having to eat more and get my energy levels back up and recover, you know, the number on the scale has gone up, but I'm still in the same clothes that I was in, like at a at my initially lower weight when I initially dropped all the weight from intermittent fasting. Body recomposition happening. Yeah, I just try to keep that in mind and say, you know, if the options are go back to what I was doing or keep going and just have slower progress, like I'm just going to take the slower progress every single day. And, you know, word about BMI, BMI 
can have some value, but it is the absolute worst for people who are muscular. If you have a lot of a lot of muscle, it is really going to be inaccurate. Athletes specifically, BMI will say you're obese when really your your lean mass is just you have a lot of lean mass. And so that that's just something to that, that's where BMI is the worst for people just like you. <laughs> I'm glad someone else other than myself said it because that's what I keep telling myself and it's hard. It is because then you're like, well, but I should be in this other range. You know, we we don't want to have those labels, but it it's just, you know, for me, the BMI is probably a pretty accurate number based on my size, my height, my you know, my, I'm not an athlete, but when you, when you are an athlete, that's when it really makes, it's, it's like meaningless for you. So now does your husband do intermittent fasting with you? He does not. Okay. I wasn't sure. You know, I know. Because <laughs> he said he did share. Zoe. He did. You know, he's very active. He's 5'11", so he's a little bit shorter. He has friends, you know, fellow teachers that have had great success with IF or with low carb. He's a, he's a, nighttime eater. So he can pretty easily go all day without eating, but then he's so hungry that he'll just eat, you know, from the time he gets home. So I've tried to share with uh, family members and with my husband. And I think, you know, I think our whole family has varying histories with food. And I think it sounds very scary to people. And I know if I wasn't ready for it, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I just am happy to share. And when they've said like, okay, you look so different. What's, what's happening? What's going on? You know, I'll tell them and then say, it's really not as hard as you think. And occasionally I'll hear like, oh, well, I've got to take food with this medicine or I've got to, you know, I can't start my day without a Diet Coke. I'm like, well, okay, but everything's a choice. Like at some point you just have to choose, like if you got to take your medicine then maybe try to eat early and then just stop earlier. But you know, I, it's everyone's everyone has their own journey. So I'm not going to force it upon anybody. Yep. And even with medication, a lot of times, if you'll just have a conversation with your doctor, especially now that intermittent fasting is so well known, just say, hey, I would like to do intermittent fasting. What are my medication options? You might be surprised at what your doctor will say. He might say, oh, you really don't have to take that with food. Or you can switch that and just take it at this other time. And then it would work. You know, that wouldn't be a hindrance. That's just something for people to keep in mind. Because when you get the prescription information, it's based on, you know, what most people do. And and that might not be something that would apply to you. So just talk to your doctor about it. (laughs) Absolutely. You might be surprised. But, you know, you're planting those seeds. That's what's the most important. And when people are ready, if they're ready, they'll be there. And if not, that's okay, too. So how many people at your school would you say are intermittent fasters? I would say it's not a topic that comes up freely in the lunchroom. You know, this year was harder because we were so isolated in our own rooms just with social distancing and kind of changes to our systems to stay in school that, you know, the handful of people that I know that, you know, we kind of started fasting together, they'll they'll still do it. Um, I have one girlfriend that, that does it and then she'll go away from it and then she'll come and be like, okay, I need to start fasting again. And then she'll go away from it. So I don't think she's decided to make it like a permanent fixture for her. But my principal, to my knowledge, still does it. I think since she's reached a happy weight, she's doing these longer windows and is very, very happy. But I think more women tend to do it than men. But um, we had, I know we have one teacher in our elementary school who he kind of paired up. He found low carb, worked really well for him. And I think he lost like 80 or 90 pounds doing fasting and low carb. So I think lots of people know about it. We also are lucky that we get lunch provided at school. So I think people have to decide, do I want the free lunch? <laughs> and Like, am I going to eat now or am I going to wait till I get home? So 
and to each their own, but there are a fair few that have, have done it over the past few years. Ooh, that would be a wrinkle because I love a free lunch. <laughs> is oh, it yeah. also a good lunch? Is it window-worthy lunch? Before this year, yes. There were okay. there were always like gourmet salads and there was a hot lunch and there were, I mean, it, it was hard. So actually when I first lost my good chunk of weight, I was just eating lunch. Um, and so I would eat a really big lunch. People would look at me and go like, is that like your second plate, third plate of lunch? I'm like, yes, it is. This is wonderful. And then I would just take a snack to have right before basketball practice. And then that was, was kind of what I ate for the day. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Oh, that would be phenomenal. I, it does make a difference when you have a really good lunch. I taught in Carrollton, Georgia for five years, and it was like an award-winning lunchroom. It was Carrollton City Schools, and the lunch, dire- the lunch director of the city schools, I mean, that when you say gourmet salad bar, that brought me back to that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't free, but it was really good. So. <laughs> so that's also part of the reason for changing my window is if it's here, it's it's an option. That's a very easy thing to work in and kind of change in my window. But like you said earlier, I find I do better if I kind of mix it up. And if I know there have been times where I know I'm going to have a really great dinner at home with my husband. And so maybe I'll do lunch one day and fast until dinner the next day. And that'll be kind of an over that 28, 29 hour fast. But then I'll know I'll eat dinner that night and then I'll probably have two meals the next day. And so I've just made sure that I make a concerted effort to not restrict like two days in a row. That's good. And now that you, you know that you can tend to do that, you can really be on the, the lookout to not not having it happen. Absolutely learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how we learn our best lessons. Am I right? Yeah. And I think, you know, it is just getting past the, you know, less is more or more equals you weighing less. I mean, it has been a battle. And I mean, I, I posted at one point in the advanced group, this was a year and a half ago, but just said, Hey, I had time for lunch, but it was a really small lunch. We had a game that night. I didn't get to eat dinner. So, you know, at the time I was so new, it was like, well, was that a down day? Was this an accidental like overnight? Like, what is it? And you were like, just eat two meals the next day. It's fine. And I remember still sitting there agonizing over like, okay, well, how much did I eat? So how much should I eat this day? And it's taken just not feeling well to realize like the most important thing is that you eat and that you eat enough. And then that's all you need to do. Your body needs to be well-fueled. That's really the key. Your body needs to be well-fueled, whether that's coming from fat stores or from the food that you're eating. But if you're super active and not eating very much, your body is not well-fueled. So that we just have to make sure that we're well-fueled enough that our bodies don't think we're over-restricting wherever that fuel is coming yeah. from. And it, there's no formula or one size fits all. That's where it gets tricky. 
You know, I can't tell you the number of calories that your body needs to eat and neither can any calorie formula because there's so much that goes on in the inside. Well, and that's what's really challenging is because, you know, we can use these resources online, you know, people in the groups or even just a calorie counter or a nutritionist or whoever it might be. And like, no one really knows what your number needs to be. Even if I have all this data from, you know, my devices or whatever, telling them, Hey, this is how much I'm moving. Cause those are only so accurate. Like I really did have to go to, Hey, listen to your body <laughs> and figure out what is best for you. Do you want to hear something crazy? When I was working on Cleanish, I had a very tight deadline. So I was like writing like crazy and researching and I was sitting in my chair, but doing a lot of research. My brain was very active. I was so hungry, like all like the brain activity. Like I'm like, how much energy is my brain using? It felt like a ton. So I had to have wider windows from all the work that I was doing. I lost weight while writing because I, I swear I think my brain was burning up the burning up the calories, and that was certainly not something you factor in. I know that sounds nuts, but. <laughs> I was like, I was eating more and, and I was like losing weight while I was doing it because I just, I could just feel that that mental energy that I was using. But that it's can't go in a calorie all calculator. The ketones, I'm guessing, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I would finish and I'd be like, I am starving. So I would just do <laughs> <laughs> My brain was working overtime. Then I tried to actually look it up. Like how much energy does your brain use when you're really working it hard? And I couldn't find that because I don't know that we know. <laughs> I don't know how you'd measure that, but anyway. We <laughs> always want like more it. data. <laughs> I did. I, I couldn't find it, but maybe it's there somewhere. So tell me about some of your non-scale victories or have you had any any health improvements? Yeah, I've been fortunate that even though I didn't have pre-fasting numbers to really compare to, I had a ton of blood work when I was pregnant, but you can only, you know, use that so far. You know, my my health numbers are really, really good just in terms of blood work you know, my skin has been incredibly clear, which has been great. Even I struggled for years with like the back of the arms, like the keratosis pilaris and like it has gone away. The biggest thing for me has just been inflammation in my body. So when I had my back surgery, they said, all right, this is a procedure that typically five to 10 years down the road, you know, you're having a back fusion. It's going to start putting pressure on the other points of your spine. And then eventually you'll have to have another surgery. And it has been my number one objective to not have to do. I had a back surgery and two C-sections. And I'm like, that's all. That's all I want to do. And so I think fasting, even if I didn't lose another pound, keeping the inflammation down has been important enough to me because I really believe that between that and my regular chiropractic visits, I mean, my back has been so much happier. I mean, I have finished six races, you know, five half marathons. And I did one that was almost a 20 mile race with a friend down at Disney. It was great, but uh, I've been able to stay more active. The number of days that I've had to take off because my back pain was, you know, my back was in spasm or something was acting up. Like I haven't had to do that in years. And wow, that's great. Um, e- even just the markers that they take for inflammation and for flexibility and everything else. Like it has improved so much in the past two years that the only thing that has really changed is fasting. That's fabulous. You know, we all increase our, we all experience increased inflammation in a different way. For me, it was seasonal allergies for you. It was with your back, but you're right. When, when that inflammation goes down, it really just changes whatever it is that you, that you're suffering and, and it's priceless. It really is. I mean, to think that at the time my back surgery was, you know, 13 years ago now that, you know, for them to guess five to 10 years was going to be the point where I would really start seeing trouble. And we're now 13 years down the line and 
no issues. I mean, I still have to be really smart about what I do. I try to work to stay strong. So my back's not taking more the burden of weight. I try to keep weight off. So, you know, I'm not carrying that around, but I really am with fasting and with my back trying to play the long-term gain of how can I stay healthy and injury free for the longest possible period of time. Well, it sounds like you're doing it. That That's really exciting. So other than trying to figure out just the right window and amount of food for your activity level, is there anything else that you struggle with with intermittent fasting? I mean, for me, it's still just the diet brain of, you know, I I really wish that there was a magic switch we could flip. And I see it with my athletes. I see it with my students of, you know, the number of, of young women that we have in our school and every school that you look at them and you're like, you're perfect. (laughs) You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're strong. Like how could you ever have doubt? But I was also a teenage girl. Like I remember those feelings. And so I know it's ingrained in us somehow. Um, And so, you know, with my kids, I try to really stress like how strong do you feel today? And, you know, when they eat, if they ever eat a vegetable, like they're in this period (laughs) of like avocados used to be the best and broccoli was the best. And now like they won't even touch it. Fun, fun tip for anyone out there. If you call cauliflower ghost broccoli, it's much more fun and they will actually eat oh, cauliflower. So. Ghost broccoli. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love fun it. Fun tip we picked up for our five-year-old. But, you know, <laughs> we pretend when he eats a bite of vegetable, like, oh my gosh, like how much stronger are your muscles now? And so we're really, I'm focusing with them on trying to appreciate the food that goes into their body. With my athletes, I'm trying to remind them that you know, they are trying to do really big, powerful, important things with their bodies and they have to keep themselves healthy, but they're trying to learn it for now for our season, but then also for the rest of their lives. And then, you know, I have a group of eighth grade girls that are mine in homeroom every day. And, you know, this, this generation is incredible in terms of just wanting to be strong and wanting to be themselves, whoever they are. And so we talk about these things and they talk about, not wanting to be smaller, but to take up more space and to do big things. And I spend so much of my day talking about it that I'm like, eventually it's got to get into my brain, right? right. Eventually I've got to start feeling this way. It's hard to unlearn and, and un, unwrite those those messages that we we laid down, you know. Well, and that's been the shift that I've had to make is like the amount of real estate in my brain that diets or food or exercise or whatever takes up. Like, I really do believe the more I am focusing on, oh my gosh, what am I going to eat today? Or what am I going to eat? Or, you know, uh, how much do I need to exercise? Or how much do I need to burn off? Or did I track this? Like, I can't think about really cool, big ideas and education or with basketball or with my family or anything if I'm thinking about dieting all the time. And so just by trying to remove that and you know, fasting is easy. Like, okay, I'm just not going to eat today till I get home. So I literally don't have to think about it all day has freed up, you know, the ability to think about so many other things. I love that so much. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or what do you wish you knew when you first started? When I first started, I did take the advice from the Delay Don't Deny book, which was like, keep a log, keep all your weights. And I would say, you know, one of the best things that I eventually did was I would track weights, but also with my fasting windows. And so I used an app, but just having everything in one place so I could really say like, note a day when I really did not feel good. And I could say, okay, well, what I do? (laughs) Was it something I ate? Was it how much I ate? And be able to kind of point back to that. And I would also just say, you know, everything's a choice. Like, you know, choosing to over restrict for me was, you know, a choice that I made and it was a poor choice, right? Choosing to continue to fast for my back health is a choice. Choosing to eat the way Zoe recommends is a choice. Oh yeah. Right. If I'm going to have 
I, I know if I'm going to have alcohol at any point during the day that like my readiness score for the next day is going to go down. So that is a choice that I have to make. And so I think whatever you choose, just know that it's going to have a result, whether it is now or in a year. So now whenever I'm making a choice about what I'm going to eat or how I'm going to treat my body, who my body loves me, I got to remind myself of that all the time. It just wants me to be happy and healthy. Then I'm saying whatever decision I make right now, I'm thinking about what I'm going to look like a year from now. And that feels so far away until I'm sitting here like fasting for two years. I'm like, oh, that really wasn't that long ago. So I would just say. So you're an aura ring user? I am. Yeah. I knew when you said writing a score, (laughs) I'm a holdout. Both my other podcast co-hosts, both Melanie and Sherry have aura rings and I'm holding off, but I, I like want one and I don't want one. So. Well, it was a gift. Someone said, what would you never buy yourself that you would like? And that was my selection. And it has really helped, especially with sleep. So, Okay. See, I feel like like I would like to have it, but I don't want to wear a, a big ring. That's my problem. I, I wear little tiny rings. And so my hands are little. So I feel like it might. Another anyway. advantage of being one. Mm, there you go. Wear bigger jewelry. Exactly. Well, Katie, thank you so much for being here today. And I think you, you told a story that really needed to be told. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at resonaterecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, 
his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.